You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, my very special guest is uh, Dorset Youth for Christ, uh, Director Aaron Rigby. Uh, Welcome to you, Aaron. Hey, welcome. Well, let's begin at the very beginning because it is a very good place to start. Uh, How did you come to All Things Faith? Oh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great great question. Um, so I was brought up in a in the Midlands, um, and um, my sort of dad left when I was about three years. Uh, well, before that, actually, sort of um, about one, my dad left, and so yeah, it was difficult for my mom. She had three lads, um, three it, lively lads. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like living on a we lived on a, a sort of a council estate, and um, and I think. Basically, my mom had just didn't know where to turn, and there's some a great local church that used to go out into the local community and, and evangelize. And then one day, my mom just stopped, listened to what they had to say, and and then sort of yeah said, yeah, great. I think this is where <laughs> we should be going as a family. And my mom had been brought up in a in a Christian home, but. Sort of met my dad, and sort of it all went. So there'd been a lot of pain, really, in those early days of, oh, the, of yeah. the relationship. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it's yeah, and that was sort of where my mom was at at that time, and and it was difficult for me because I was kind of from the age of three was then brought up in the local church and really loved the church and loved worshiping, even from a you know a young were there, age. Were there lots of young people at your age went to that church? Uh, yeah, it was a good mix. It was probably around about eighteen of us, I would, I would imagine, yeah, yeah, and good. so and actually really good friends. And I think and certainly in churches, I think if you can connect with people, I think it, it definitely um, helps you to keep connected with church and. Um, but then weekends was different. It was it was a different scenario. So my so my dad was actually a, a criminal and spent a lot of a lot of my time growing up in jail. So on weekends, then I would go and visit my dad. And I mean, how tuned in were you in? Because obviously you were very young. Yeah. Uh, how are we how tuned in to the fact that your dad was a bit naughty, yeah. to say the least? Where were you? Um, I guess it was just part of life. I just think you didn't really think about it. I think mm. in many ways, when you're young, you just think it's part, part of the norm. It's just your dad. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's dad's so probably the same. Yeah, <laughs> and it was difficult because sometimes, you know, if he did go to prison, you know, he'd be away for like six months or nine months. And mm. so there'd be a period of time where I wouldn't see him. My mom didn't really think it was appropriate to sort of for me to go into prisons and visit my dad. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of part of <laughs> So that was really tricky so on weekends i'd go to my dad's house and i'd see you know probably a lot of criminal activity and and i'd come back with a with a vocabulary what was which wasn't great sure. and my mom had to sort of really sort of uh she would put soap in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> well literally yeah literally <laughs> those were the days when you could do such yeah, a thing oh yeah absolutely now she'd yeah. probably be in prison herself wouldn't she oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah so so that was it really so it was kind of I had to make those tough decisions growing up is, you know, I saw the way that my dad lived and, and, and that side of the family. And then I saw how my mom was living her life out for Jesus. And I had to make a decision is which way was I going to go? So when did the crunch come for you? Because obviously you can go to church mm. uh, and I guess that always to go is good because the, I don't know whether you find it, but the stuff that goes in that you don't really realize it's going in until years later mm. sometimes yeah was that true for you 
Yeah, for sure. And I think what was amazing, I think, you know, when you've been brought up without a dad is is that there were some great guys in the church that really sort of... Became sort dad of, for you, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And would take me to football matches, stuff. And I was passionate about football. And we had a great guy who used to sort of like lead a, a local football team and we used to play football. And it was just these real, um, I would say, you know, men of God that really invested in me as a young child. And, I, and you know, and I guess as you start to grow up, you start to think these guys really believed in what they believed and and where they were godly men and i just felt actually when you're coming to make decisions are tough you know which way you're going to go it was for me it was it was a no-brainer yeah <laughs> to sort of say these guys are fantastic and and i want to sort of walk in the way they walk and not not how my dad was walking at that time now obviously the crunch came where it's one thing you're going to church and your mom encouraging you and well done mom mm. but obviously you you had to make your own decision which road do you take how did that come about the crunch if you like yeah i i don't necessarily if it was like a moment i think it was certainly over time and like I say, I mean, there's always those mountaintop experiences you have as a Christian, like going to like spring harvest festivals and music festivals. And they were brilliant because they, you got to see other young people, meet other young people. But I think it was it was just, I guess, the youth leaders in my church were great. They, they used to, again, every Sunday evening would, you know, get them around their house and talk about, you know, Bible stories and about faith. And so I don't think there was one moment, but I think that it was like many really mountaintop experiences that sort of brought me to to want to know Jesus more and to follow him. So can you remember, I mean, I can't put a day or date myself yeah. on when I actually became it. I used to underline and ink what I've already done in pencil. You know, have heard that phrase before? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I would have struggled to know. Was it the same for you, a sort of growing in, or was there a definite moment when you said, Jesus, here I am, I want to be yours? Yeah, I think, yeah, if I, not really. I think it was just that continuous age. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. baptism is always a big part of that. When you, when you know, I was you know a young lad, and I decided I wanted to be baptized. And for me, that was just that that expression of faith to say, "Look, here I am, Lord. I'm yours, and I want to walk with you for the rest mm-hmm. of my life." And, and of course, it's a good thing, isn't it? Because there are many people because they don't have that that Damascus Road experience, mm-hmm. the flashing light, the voice from heaven. Majority of people don't have that, but of course, they can devalue the fact that they. They have a very definite relationship with God through Christ, you know. So in a way, that sort of growing, steadily growing. I mean, the truth is we never stop growing, do we? Mm. So uh, what, how did you get on with your peers? I mean, clearly you had your friends in church. Uh, what about your friends at school? And, and how did they react to, to the young Aaron? Yeah, it was it was always a challenge because I, I, I would say majority of my friends were you know not christians or um but they sort of knew me and sort of respected who i was so i think there was a level of like it was it was just a part of who i was and um and i used to invite them to any events that we had and and they would always come so it was um i think sometimes it's really difficult because i think we try and live life of somebody who we're not and and certainly for me i was trying to live the life of who I am and this and being a part of the Christian faith is who I am. Um, so, yeah, I think that was, 
it was a great experience to have friends and and these guys are still friends now so it's you know always praying for them <laughs> yeah and of course it's important to have pe- friends because the, the church doesn't exist for the people in it the church mm. exists for the people beyond its walls uh, and of course there are many beyond its walls mm. now your first piece of music coming from dc talk what if i stumble why this one yeah i think for me you know when you asked me to sort of like think about the songs it was like trying to really sort of go on a journey of my life and certainly as a young man it was always that fear about you know you, you saw all the things around you that was going on I saw you know my, what my dad was doing and what my friends were doing and and what if I stumbled and um, for me it was one of those songs that just kept me going and I just loved playing it and just loved the song and the words and, and what it meant Okay well let's have a listen DC Talk, and what if I stumble the choice of my very special guest today, uh, Dorset Youth for Christ director, Aaron Rigby. Now, Aaron, we, we left you as a young man that uh, you'd given your life to Christ. You were you're being faithful to your faith, uh, having uh, sharing that where you could with your mates. What were your aspirations like at that time? Had you any idea, you know, in those in those teenage years, what you would really like to do? An astronaut, perhaps a surgeon, or some some high and lofty calling in life? Yeah, I guess like like lots of um, young men, you kind of like my two passions were sort of music and playing guitar and football. Football, <laughs> yeah. Which team? Uh, Warsaw. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have one minute silence. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was my two passions. So I think if it, if it involved any of those two. Oh. And were you a musician? Were you playing the guitar? Yeah, 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 playing guitar, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sort of leading in in church and, and so on. So, so yeah, I love, I love playing the guitar and obviously football was just everything really. Mm. But again, football is one of those great levelers, isn't it? Because mm. it's a game of kings, isn't it? And, and you, you would meet so many people from all manner of backgrounds, you know, both in your team that you were with, uh, if you were playing as in a team, but even going to football matches, you know, the, the passion that is expressed in those, in those must have had a big impact on you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like Warsaw, like we're not the great, <laughs> the greatest team. Yeah, but you stuck by yeah, them. Yeah, but we sort of like. There's never any expectations that we're going to do anything um, um, well. But so when you do, when they do, you know, get through to the FA Cup third round, or um, if yes, they, yeah, yeah, things like that. If they go, if they get promoted from the second to the first or whatever. So they're the, they're the sort of the big wins for a team like that. But for me, like you say, it was just. Those, you know, you're connecting with the local people. Is it was, a, you know, Walsall was part of my identity as a, as a man growing up, and um, yeah, and, and in the Midlands, like you know, my friends would, you know, everyone supported local teams. So like when I'm here, it's amazing that people think, oh yeah, I'm a Man United fan or a Chelsea fan. Living in the Midlands, it was it was very much like yeah, I'm a, I'm a Wolves fan or I'm an Aston yeah, Villa yeah. or Birmingham. So, so yeah, you do sort of. Um, I just love that it was part of our identity, and I'm actually a champion of all Midlands. I love all Midland teams because I want them to do well. Yeah, good, good for you. And of course, there's there's real lessons there. Uh, you know, Christian parallels, aren't yeah. there? Because obviously, some people think come to Christ and everything will just be lovely, <laughs> but of course, that's not always the case, is it? Ah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, like I say, like you say, when you're looking at parallels, you're thinking, well, actually, sometimes 
there's tough times and there's difficult times and I think when you you know if you're into football then <laughs> you, you put your hope in it you're going to get disappointed yeah but you see Dan here he, he's an ardent supporter of the Cherries you know okay, well as yeah, you yeah. know they're, they're having a bit of a bad time at the moment and uh, but through thick and thin you know uh, he'll always say on the air up the Cherries you know yeah, so yeah. He, he has been constant in his in his his support for the team and I think that says a lot about character doesn't it that mm. being there through thick and thin is important isn't it oh yeah for sure and I think um, you know when I, when I look at my journey of faith it's sometimes that there's, there's elements of, of life when you're just thinking ah oh, I just what's the point of this and and I think we've just got to keep going and and that good always comes yeah and so at what point did the whole idea of maybe working with young people as a career, uh, when, where, how did that emerge? I know you went to Bible college. I mean, why why Mornings? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, again, it's another journey, really, that I went on. And and I always did youth work with probably without realising. So as a 16-year-old lad at church, we used to run a a community youth centre and I used to just help out and just mm-hmm. be part of that and didn't realise that actually I was doing youth work it was just like I was there and I you was were just Aaron being you yeah, yeah. and just doing football with youngsters yeah. and rounders yeah. and sports and stuff and just really enjoyed it and then because I really love music and there was an opportunity came to to do a, a year out um, with Youth for Christ and so I sort of um so I went on a, a performing arts band and we were based in the southwest and we would uh, you know went there really for the music but within that time you end up just you know going into schools and do mission and just really love the fact that you get the opportunity to share faith and so that kind of got me to a point where I was thinking okay this is kind of where I feel like I should be going mm-hmm. and then I and then I had a few then people saying why don't you train and, and do Moorlands but I had a few issues with that um, at 18 I actually couldn't read or write and um, so well that is more than a little, <laughs> a little issue yes yeah so, so was school then a bit of an issue for you oh yeah so yeah I mean school was a nightmare for me and um, and probably that's where my behaviour you know I would say probably I was probably one of the worst students you could if you were a teacher you probably I'd be the one that you wouldn't want to engage with and not because I was I was more cheeky and but for me it was more about because I couldn't read and write right I didn't frustration wanna, yeah I didn't yeah frustration but I didn't want to look silly in, in front of my mates so teachers I'd sort of especially in English when you had to stand up and read from the book because I didn't want look like an idiot in front of my friends I think to myself I'm going to do absolutely anything to get kicked out of this lesson yeah so I'd throw a chair or I'd, I would say something to the teacher and I'd be happy to take the detention and rather than read did, 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 did your teachers did they know that you couldn't read nor write no because that in it so because very often you know I think young people, I mean, even with dyslexia, that's the common mm. one, isn't it? That, that it's only recent, of course, that, that many of these things, you know, what, whatever disability there may be, uh, the modern systems enable it to be identified much earlier. But it must have been, because if the teachers knew mm. that you could neither read nor write, then they would realise that there was a reason why the young Aaron was quite a, a pin in the backside, basically. Yeah, for sure. And my mum used to fight it at the school and and in many ways because they used to say like um, my mum used to say I think 
my son's dyslexic um, and the school's response well he can't be dyslexic because he's too bright because he knows the answers so verbally I could I could give the answer but actually getting it down onto paper mm. so I think you're right I think I think schools have come a long way um, with sort of diagnosing people with yeah. I mean dyslexia. It's, there's still an issue you know particularly with calms and mental health which we can talk mm. about a bit later on because unfortunately the system is completely overloaded you know I, I'm a youth worker myself you know yeah. that was my professional background so all of these things I'm 100% with you Aaron yeah yeah, uh, the, yeah. so the um, so how did you, you cope through aggression did, did, they, did they kick you out did you get expelled from school yeah well yeah I mean I was always you know, we used to sort of, we didn't really have a, an exclusion um, policy in the school at the time, but it was more detention. So yeah, yeah. for me, it was like... Every, you were always in the detention, in detention class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like back in the days, they used to sort of, you know, if you really badly behaved, you used to stand outside the head teacher with your head, with your head against the wall for... Yeah, being a naughty uh, boy. Yeah, and for me, that was, a, you know, I prefer to do that than being being class but i suppose that being good at football and being good at music would have been your your savior almost wouldn't it and, and i guess your faith as, as yeah. well that that those have been the things but the only danger with that is that sometimes the things that we're good at bury the hurt and the pain and all the negative stuff which mm. is underneath and of course that that does surface doesn't it oh yeah and i and i guess it was probably the only reason i went to school was to play football because I knew that, you yeah. know, you wanted to be in the school team, you had to turn up. So for me, it was just, I'm going to go to school and play football. And, you enjoyed it. And yeah. enjoyed it. And I love, like you'd say, the social side of school was was it always great for me, yeah. hanging out with mates. But. So were you able to tell anybody at any point? I mean, clearly you discounted yourself on further mm. education because you clearly didn't like school. And, you'd, and there were very good reasons for it. But at one point, were you able to tell somebody that, that you couldn't read nor write. Well, I don't think I did. It was just one of those, it was one of those things that you just had to like. You just took it on your shoulders and you just sort of went through life, just mm. carrying that burden of thinking. You know, my I remember as a child growing up, I used to think one of the things I really want to do is read and write, mm. and 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 it didn't matter how hard I tried, it just wouldn't happen. I just really couldn't, just couldn't do it, and it was just like really frustrating. So. So never telling anyone was difficult, and I think maybe that was part of the downfall for me. Maybe sharing that burden might have would have yeah. helped. I but think. it's not uncommon, is it, that the people don't really share? And of course, the, the tragedy is that people have trauma in their mm. lives. It comes in many forms, doesn't it? And we we can react. I've done this myself, where I find myself reacting to the way people are behaving, but really without understanding that behind that behaviour. Mm. And I guess that's quite common, isn't it? That people just people were reacting to your behaviour, but they weren't really knowing why that behaviour was happening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, even when I, we, we do a lot of work and we do a lot of mentoring in schools at the moment, and actually sometimes we get sent youngsters because they're saying, oh, this young person's badly behaved. Mm-hmm. Can you help support mm-hmm. this young person? And when you start to peel back, you know, the sort of what's going on in their life, then you start to see the reasons behind why their behaviour might yeah. be erratic. And I guess, has that become a bit of a passion for you? Because you've been there, worn the T-shirt, had all the pain associated with it. Yeah, for sure. Because I think for for me, I want to, I think everyone's got great potential. And I think, um, and I think it's trying to unlock that. <laughs> and, and for me, somebody that was probably, 
you, you know, if you look at the stats from the government, you say, you know, if you leave school without no no GCSEs, we've not been able to read or write. Mm. You, you know, forty percent chance that you're going to be unemployed for the rest of your life. Well, that brings us to our next song, which is pretty much the opposite of what you just said. It's Phil Wickham mm. and Living Hope. Uh, why this one? Yeah, for me, definitely, um, Living Hope is it's it's one of those great songs that it's about actually we have hope. So when all, when your chips are down and you're thinking there's no there's no opportunities, or you're thinking you know where should where should I be looking? That we know that we have hope in Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turn to hell Now my very special guest today is Dorset Youth for Christ director Aaron Rigby. Uh, he just shared with us uh, before uh, we went to Keith Jones about how he could neither read nor write. And the whole idea of going to Bible college came up. And of course, big problem. Anyway, off Aaron went to the interview, not being able to read and write, looking, I might say, to study uh, and and come out with a degree. What was it like that day that you went for your interview? Uh, Well, I couldn't quite believe it, eh, that they even... I had an invite for an interview, to be honest, because when, you know, when you're doing an application and you're filling it out and it says, what, what GCCs you, have you got? And you write none. What A-levels have you got? And you write none. But to actually get um, an interview was just incredible. Um, and I suppose you would have been, you probably would have written yourself off from lots of things because of the reading and writing. And, and I guess people thinking you were dumb. Oh, for sure, yeah. I think, um, you know, growing up, you know, you, you mates would have some, like, crazy nicknames for you, like, they used to call us, like, dyslexic. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and so But those on. things, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lot of rubbish, because uh, these things do hurt, and they go, they go deep. They can, in fact, they can even be a curse, can't they? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think you end up becoming, you know, when, when people say things to you, it becomes part of your identity, I think. So it's definitely for me, you know, kind of not being successful in education. Uh, you think that is going to be the narrative um, of your story. Yeah, of your life. Yeah. And of course, closes so many doors to you. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But anyway, back to the day, because they, they obviously read the C, the application and they, and they invited you to an interview. And uh, there you sat heart thumping, thinking, here it goes again, more rejection. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah, so I kind of went, I remember going into a room with with two lecturers, and um, obviously they welcomed me, and and they looked at and they had my application in front of them, and actually it was a bit strange, but they started laughing in, in a good way, and they just said, Aaron, you know, we think this is great. We think you, you know, it's great that you you want to come here and be part of this community, and but we're willing to give you a shot. Were you a bit shocked by their reaction? Yeah, because I, I guess, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to expect, to be honest. And and like you say, sometimes I feel like, you know, when God calls you into something, mm. it doesn't matter what obstacles are there, that you're going to overcome them. And they obviously saw that in having that interview with me, that there was a, there was a, a young man 
who was really wanting to live how for that. For how old were you when you went for that? Uh, 19. Okay, 19. so you were a young man. Yeah, 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 19 at the time. And then, so yeah, so that's kind of where I was and, you know, not expecting much. And then to sort of, um, and all I would say was like, it was a miracle really, because, you, you know, when you, you, yes, okay, they've allowed me on to do this degree course, but I've still got to do the work. Of course. Well, how did you cope with that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of those things, it, it took a little bit of time and I used to sort of ask the lecturers, um, which pages should I be reading? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than and having to sit down and, you know, and and audio books were great and trying to listen to as much as I could was fantastic. And, and yeah, and it was just, it took time and, and yeah, and, it, and what was amazing that, you know, all my education would have been one of failure and actually to move forward i never failed an essay so it was there must have been god must have been in it because humanly possible it sounds to me as if all the rubbish in aaron's life was straight into the bin Mm. as the new aaron was beginning to emerge oh for sure and you know my mom kind of gave me this like you know when i left to go to morelands my mom gave me this bible verse which was from joel um joel 2 25 and it says the years I will repay the years the locust has eaten. It's one of my favourite verses. Yeah, and it, and for me that was just like, you know, I had had this um, upbringing where you know my dad was never really around, and and he sort of would let me down. You know, your education didn't go well, mm. and so you kind of you stood there, and my mum was just saying, you know, the years the locust has eaten, you know, the Lord's going to restore, and you just start thinking. What does that mean? <laughs> How can God repay? Well, I guess years? you know you know now what it means. Oh yeah, for but, sure. But you wouldn't have known then, would you? No, and it's one of those Bible. You know, I remember just talking to my mum and saying, "Oh, great, thanks. Cheers for that." Is your mom, <laughs> your mom, if your mum listens to this program, tribute to your mom. Erin uh, is a is a tribute to you, and uh, and God bless you for your faithfulness uh, mm. over the years. I'll show you how you she can listen afterwards. So okay, can, yeah. Anyway, moving moving sharply on. So you you what was the course like for you? You know, I mean, clearly school was not a good experience. Was Bible college a good experience? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, what was great about Moreland's, it was that kind of that combination of a learning and practical. So for me, the practical bits was what I really loved doing, and and just really ignited my passion for a working with young people, but also the fact that you got to meet some great people and some. Uh, even like we talked about Chris Brockway, he was the year below me at Moreland. So yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you get to meet great people, and it's and it's fantastic to see them that they're still in ministry and are still sort of um, going strong, going strong. Yeah. Now, of course, part of your the practical theology at Moreland's is that you do a placement with a with a church and mm. and, and other organisations. Where did you end up? Yeah, I did a lot of stuff. We did. Um, I was down at Fusion, which was part of the YMCA, and they had a youth project down there for a while. Um, I went to the Vineyard Church as well over at Boscombe. So you kind of got an opportunity to, yeah, not just a one option. It was there was man, many options to to really just have a go. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it was mission based. So sometimes I did six weeks up in back in my hometown in Walsall Community Church, which was fantastic. And they did a lot with, the, the you know, the sort of the downer house, the, you know, the hurting communities and, and so on. And then I had a great opportunity to go to America and did six uh, weeks in America. Where? In South Carolina. 
bit warm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was January time as well. So it did. It Even really, better. Yeah, it did feel like summer. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, fantastic. Now, obviously, going to Bible college, and of course, you were only 19. It, it's, it's Part of it is to help you to form what God is calling you to mm. in terms of ministry. When did it become evident to you what God was actually calling you to? Yeah, I think it's one of those journeys you kind of go on. You you kind of, like you say, you're thinking, you know, even at 19, you still think, I love <laughs> I love football and I love um, music. And so you could be a football chaplain, couldn't you? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, there's lots of things you could do. And and you go on this journey, and, and I guess the placements unlock, unlock that, that potential inside you. And you think, actually, this is kind of what I'm good at, and this is what I'm called to do. And I think there's, it's, it's trying to find out what that, um, really looked like for me was being in those placements when you're you're hanging out with young people and you're and you're working in, in churches and you're seeing young people flourish and grow and you think this is what I want to be part of long term. Yeah, well, let's have your next piece of music. Uh, something a bit different. Mm. Uh, Mercy me, I can only imagine. Now, this, of course, is talking about heaven. Yeah, what has placed this in your thinking? I mean, I love the story beyond the song, so I don't know if you've seen the film. Yes, oh, it's yes. an incredible journey of a, of a guy that probably didn't have a great relationship with his own dad. He had a pretty bad relationship yeah. with his own dad, and uh, yeah. it was a very violent relationship, actually. And, it was, and it's a song about restoration, isn't it? And, yeah. and actually, it's that hope that one day, you know, that we're going to actually, when everything on this earth comes to pass, we're going to have that hope of being in, in heaven and mm. being with our Saviour. And of course, you were telling me earlier on about your mom having cancer. But mm. how, how long has she had cancer? Yeah, so my mom, uh, about fifteen years ago, was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and and they gave her five years to live. And you know, and that's devastating. You know, I was relatively still young at the time, and so and yeah, so fifteen years on, she's she's still going strong. Yes, yeah, and, so, and of course, she's still a passionate believer, and and is, yeah. I guess your number one supporter. I mean, I guess your wife has taken that role. Oh, for not, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, Mrs. Rigby, but mm. I'm quite sure that you are in pole position there. Yeah, yeah. But your mom still rooting for you, and and uh, it's it's really quite incredible, really. But I guess you know that that. That for the Christian, of course, so they, we don't die; mm. we just get promoted. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. And uh, is that must? I mean, obviously, I, I guess. Uh, have you ever worried about about losing your mum? Well, I guess it's one of those things. I think when when the you get told devastating news, mm-hmm. you think the worst, and you think up to five years. So you kind of there's that part of you that you think, oh, I could be losing your mum, but then. You know, time goes on and she keeps going strong. <laughs> she's just, she's Jesus just going through. She'll probably be back. You know, yeah. you, she'll probably be there to welcome him, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she's just going through chemo at the moment. And yeah, and it's just one of those things. That even though she had chemo, like she had it on the Wednesday, on the, on the Sunday, she's still in church leading worship. <laughs> mm, leading worship. Yeah. So what, what's your mum's name? Jackie. So, folks, uh, on your prayer list this week, Jackie, mm-hmm. uh, that God would bless her and that, that he would put his hand of healing upon her mm-hmm. uh, and be a blessing. We thank you for her. We thank you that Aaron is very much the product of her faithfulness and not just Aaron, but his siblings mm-hmm. as well. Uh, be blessed, Jackie. So let's just listen to this fantastic song. Jackie, it's for you.
Well, that's, of course, I can only imagine there. Now, Bart Millard, who heads up the band, was, in fact, a, a guest on Gordon T's interview, the artist's interview. If you want to see that and some amazing interviews with bands, then go to Spotify or any of the major platforms and look for the artist interview. And you'll hear that interview. And, and this story was particularly poignant because... Bart was in a very abusive relationship. His father was an abuser. And the film, which I think is also, it's called I Can Only Imagine, which I think is also on Netflix at the moment. Uh, If you haven't watched that film, watch it, because it's about restoration. It's about forgiveness. It's about the power of what God can do to take even the most abusive hurt and pain and and deal with it. So if you want to be encouraged, then do that. Clearly, Aaron, you've been encouraged. Have you seen the movie? Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? For sure, yeah drag a tear from a stone <laughs> yeah now let's talk about your own passion because here you are director of dorset youth for christ uh, i take it you can read and write now can yeah <laughs> that's improved and of course you're now a man who holds a degree aren't you mm-hmm. so the impossible happens to Aaron. when did it become very apparent that god was calling you to work with young people yeah so you you kind of go on that journey of being at moreland's for four years and I felt called in to, to do Moreland's. And then as I was leaving Moreland's, I felt God say, I want you to go and work with young people, but not necessarily in a church setting. So I found myself working in, um, I would say, secular youth work, working with probably the most vulnerable young people. Of course, at Fusion, when you did part of your mm. place, part of the YMCA's ministry, yeah. uh, uh, the, that you would have been introduced, of course, to many, many young people who, who didn't have any church background at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and it's one of those, I think sometimes in in certainly Christian ministry, it can be, everything can be quite insular. So it's, it's, we can be inward looking uh, as a church. And and for me, you know, from my own background and, you know, and kind of and thinking about my own friendship groups, thinking actually I want to be able to reach out to young people. Mm. So actually going into sort of that secular youth work was an opportunity really just to learn about communities, uh, what, you know, how people are wired, I guess, and and how do we, I guess, reach out to young people that are in need? And I think that's a big part of the calling as a Christian that we need to go to the needy. Mm. And of course, the other thing is that that many many churches just don't have the people, the workers, if you like, mm. who are either trained or have the ability, or do I even say, have the heart uh, and the anointing mm. to work with young people? These things are quite critical, aren't they? For sure, yeah, and I think you've got to, you know, your heart's got to be in it. Um, but I, I really feel as Christians, we're all called to that because it said we're called to go yes. and make disciples of all people. In whatever pe- field, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of all people. So I think definitely, I think in some capacity, we can we can all play a part, even if it's not you directly face to face. It could be, um, you know, we want a, a few great projects at the moment where we get to feed lots of young people. And even if it's just, you know, providing food. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're playing a part. Yeah. And so so for sure I think I think we we can all we can all be part of that journey. For the completely uninitiated, because I've kept saying youth for Christ and people are thinking, What what what, what did you say? <laughs> youth for Christ. Uh, yeah. Tell us something about it its origins. Yeah, it's it's an inc- it's an incredible um organization to be part of. And, you know, back in the forties there was um two men that were just deeply concerned by the young by young people, and I think it because we'd come out of the Second World War, 
and and these two men were thinking how do we reach this this lost generation um and a lot of them were turning to alcohol and and drugs because of what they'd seen in on the battlefields and and these two men were um, were Billy Graham and Tory Johnson and actually Billy Graham became the first youth worker <laughs> for Youth for Christ so we're in, we're in great company indeed and and the, uh, so so it was under the 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 Billy Graham banner yeah the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association yeah 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 fantastic what, what great history of course nothing has much changed because here uh, we're told that mental health in young people and, and sadly suicides particularly mm. with young men is completely through the roof um no doubt you're seeing some of this at, at the at the rough end of what you're doing, Aaron. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it, I always think it's a privilege that you know, as, as Youth for Christ, we we get invited into schools, and um, and one of the things that we're passionate about is being embed a, an embedment model. So instead of just going in and doing an assembly um, or one-off lesson, we want to be part of that 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 school community on on a regular basis. So when we're in schools, we're there all day. How many schools are you in at the moment? Um, so across Dorset, we're, we're about eighteen schools. That's quite a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we got we got um, we run a project called the School Life Pastor Role, and and it's kind of that hybrid of chaplaincy, but also that we're willing to get involved in all aspects of of school. So it being football, or being um, forest school, doesn't matter. It's that we want to be Christian um, in those parts of all aspects. Mm-hmm. And and tell us something about what's actually happening because I mean uh, I know that you run an event called Resigned yeah and you, when you you get a, a couple of hundred young people don't you to that event yeah for, you know it's one of those you know for me again it's we get to travel across Dorset and we get to go to churches where there might be only one or two young people attending mm-hmm. that church. Mm-hmm. And it was tragic once. I remember going to a church in Bridport, and there was a young lad there, and he basically said, "Like, I'm the only Christian in Bridport." And um, in Bridport, yeah, <laughs> not the church. In yeah, Bridport. just yeah. Uh, and, it, and that was. And his mom used to just take him to wherever she could, just to get him encouraged. Uh, yeah, give him courage. And and for me, that was tragic because, and I thought we need to do something about that. So we kind of connected with some some great youth leaders locally, and we said, actually, we want to create an opportunity for for young people to gather, but not just to come to a, a time of worship, but actually a time of gathering. So Resound's an opportunity where young people can... Uh, so the first hour and a half is they come, they eat donuts or or um, hot dogs. We have bouncing castles. Um, we have music. And it's a, a, a great opportunity for them to meet other, other Christian young people. And then we're, then we're intentional, because as part of Youth for Christ, we, we want to take the good news to every young person and 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 i guess you can do it at, at an independent device or it's perhaps you could do to a lesser extent in the school yeah i mean what's great about the school and about what we do in schools is that is that we're there as like the school life pastors so so we're, we're intentional in on that but of, of course you know they're there to be educated mm-hmm. and 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 you have to obviously can you know you, you can't just be preaching the gospel yeah you know because we're there because we want to do mentoring and support youngsters and we want to be professional in that as well so sometimes youngsters it's having that person just to listen to them and listen to their journey and and two things how do you get your pastors and how do you train them and how do you fund them yeah so um yeah i mean i think if we take a few steps back i mean when we when 
I guess Dorset Youth for Christ hasn't always been in existence. So we we launched six years ago, and um, you were the pioneer, were you? Yeah. So so for me, I was working in like I said earlier. I, I went into working with Dorset County Council, working with the most vulnerable kids. And I remember meeting a homeless lad, and he'd been homeless for a couple of years. And I used to meet him in Paul Park, and I used to bring him a sandwich. And we used to just, and my role was to try and see if I could get him back and into employment, get him into housing, and and so on. And I remember saying to this lad, you know, where do you get support help from? Uh, and I was always hope there's a part of me that would him say, oh, it's the local church. And but actually, that was never that was never the sort of the conversation we had. And a part of me just broke inside and just said, and there was that holy discontentment to say, we need to do something about this. And I don't think it's that the church doesn't care. I just don't think the church knows. Um, no, I think you're right. And of course, I, I mean, many churches, you know, if you look around, you know, they're they're all. I guess much many more older people. Mm. And of course, those older people have children themselves, and they have grandchildren, and and I'm quite sure that they they pray and support. But I guess that, that what they don't mm. see are many young people, young families, even. Uh, uh, there are churches, of course, where the opposite is is true. But it's how you make the transition. Yeah, and I, and I know that you're talking to a number of church leaders and churches mm. about how that the climate of that can change. Yeah, and, and like for me, so so after that, so after that conversation with that lad, yeah, it was a case. I went home to my wife, mm. and um, and I said to my wife Caroline, I said, I think I need to to give up my job. And what were you doing at that time? So I was working for the, for the council okay. at the time, and I just said, "I was a youth worker." Yeah, so I just said, "I think I need to give up my job, and I think I need to do something that we start connecting local church with these with these youngsters that need need to hear the gospel message, but also mm-hmm. need um, social action as well." Mm-hmm. So she said, "You can't do that because you got four kids, and <laughs> <laughs> and you're the bre- and you're the your main primary youth worker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in, and you're sort of the main breadwinner, but." Um, but she's great, Caroline, and she's sort of, you know, my biggest champion. So she said, yeah, if that's what you feel God calling you to do. So, I don't know where the money's yeah. come from, but we'll do it anyway. Yeah, and that's it. And that was a journey we, we went on. So, like you say, no money and you setting up a charity. So as as Dorset Youth of Christ, we, you know, we're, even though we're part of the Youth of Christ family, we're a standalone charity. So is uh, we went on a journey and and initially it was just me um and over the last 6 years we've grown to six members of staff and and obviously with more staff the greater impact as a charity we can have and of all and actually all of them have been through Moorlands. <laughs> so interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they're, they're relatively low can they all read and write yes better than i can <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so yeah, so it means that we have a great impact, and and so you see, where does the money come from? It, it just comes from many sources, really. So we're having to bid right. Where we've got some individual givers, um, but you know, just we still keep getting invites into lots of schools, and the only and the only obstacle that stops us going in, unfortunately, is how do we fund that person into the school and grow team? So. That's where, you know, as a charity, like many charities, that's kind of yeah, the only the, the cha- and the in, challenge. And in terms of the training of the of the chaplain, mm. you know, so with the the broader, if you like, more than just a youth work experience, but the, I guess, the counselling, mm. a bit of 
whether it's psychology, sociology, it's a very basic level, I don't know. Uh, but nevertheless, the training, do you provide that training? Yeah, so so me and Harry, we, we went on a journey when we started. So I got a guy, Harry Vincent, who works for us. He was like the sort of the second person who came into Youth of Christ after me, Dorset Youth of Christ. And Youth of Christ nationally offer um, um, chaplaincy level seven, so which we've done. And that's really in, um, helpful as well. But for for me and Harry, with our backgrounds of work, was working with young people in these sort of, um, you know, in these, in these challenging times that they find themselves in. So some of it is training-based, like, so we get, like, the Level 7 qualifications, but also it's experience as well. So the kind of the settings we've found ourselves in and, and also about our own life experiences as well yeah so, you, you know so that helps um certainly when we when we sort of work with young people but again the what we got from moorlands as well so that degree in youth work um as well sort of helped massively you're listening to community now on hope fm with keith jones bookshop serving the community for over 50 years visit keithjones.co.uk well, it's been a fantastic uh, a privilege for me to be having uh, Dorset Youth for Christ director Aaron Rigby as my very, very special guest. And we left him, uh, you know, with uh, with schools and going into schools and uh, and also that enhanced uh, uh, chaplaincy role that, that works very well in schools. But tell us something in terms of what is actually happening, uh, because, I mean, clearly your heart was for that young man that you met in the park mm. and you were saying, oh, I just wish that there was some tell us something about what's actually happening on the ground including your experience in schools and and the link to your real passion which of course is i guess wholeness the whole person uh, but but also introducing young people to know jesus for themselves yeah, I mean, that's a, quite a big question. <laughs> it's a very big. Well, shall I extend the program? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I mean, on the ground, we, you know, we do, we get um, the opportunity to to run a, a youth centre, which is um, it's like funded by the local council, which is great. So, all the all the sort of workers in there are from the local church or from from Dorset Youth for Christ, and. And and you start just doing youth work, and you know you're doing sports and activities. But out of that, then you start to meet the young people and get to know characters. And and one of the so in the youth centre we're in, we got we got a great opportunities. We got a great kitchen, and and we just started to to do some cooking classes just because we just thought it's just a great thing to do. But then we realised that young people were increasingly saying oh Aaron we're cooking tonight and we're cooking tonight and I was going oh yeah we can cook we've got the ingredients so and we just thought that they just love cooking and anyway one of the lads came up to me and we said and he, and he was always at the youth centre as we turned up always wearing his school uniform so I remember saying to him what is it about cooking that you enjoy and he said because we because I get to eat mm. and I started to, and he started to tell me about his own story and he said you know when he was little his mum was murdered mm. And and actually, his dad now has to work all the hours possible. Um, so when he gets home from school, there's nobody at home. And so from us, that really broke our heart. And we said, how can we do more as a team to, to feed these young people? Um, and also to give them the life skills they need to, to move forward with that. And so we contacted the local food bank and they they were like um, said that yeah, absolutely we're we're going to give you some financial support. So it means now on a on a Monday and a Wednesday night we get to feed 150 young people, and we don't discriminate against that. So 
we know that out of those 151 people that some of them do get hot meals mm. but what we didn't want to do is say you get a meal but you can't yeah yeah well, how <laughs> so, would you do that you yeah could... you couldn't so we just basically don't discriminate so we just feed these young people and we but call 150 young people yeah and where do you where do you feed them in the youth center in the youth center yeah so we come in and we do and we do things like hot dogs cheese straws so it's not the greatest nutrition but it's it's something it's hot and it's um um, and sometimes they get to cook it as well. So, and they love that. So, when they get to cook it for the whole youth centre, there's an element of pride there, and you can see it on them that they've they mm. fed all these young people. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, so that's kind of what we're doing in the community. But it all connects. When you know, for us, we see, you know we see the, the work we do with churches, what we do in schools and with communities. It's all about it. It all connects together, and it's all about the life of the community. So. Well, tell us a wee bit more about your partnership with local church, because obviously I know that's one of your passions uh, mm. and so on. Uh, how has that been going? What have you discovered on the ground? And- yeah, uh, f- for sure. I mean, we, we realise that some, I mean, some churches across the region are, are blessed because they've got the opportunity to A, to have a youth pastor or an employed youth worker. Some young, some churches struggle financially to do that. So it's great to, to, to walk alongside churches and, and to support them in their youth ministry. And, you know, I've got some great youth workers who work for Dorset Youth Christ and they're passionate about next generational ministry and they'll just keep beating that drum. So, so working with churches, it's to say to churches that the hope is not over, is that you can still build um, next generational ministry and you can still have family work. And, and we're just walking alongside them on that journey. And for some churches, like I said, their journey is that they're, they're really doing well and we're championing them and saying, well done, keep going. But we know there's some churches that really struggle. So first, as a, as a charity, you know, we, we want to serve the local and 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 that's not just from Dorset Youth Crisis, that's from national as well, Youth Crisis, that we're called to serve the local. Fantastic. Now, have you got any stories at the church level that you can say about how some of this transition? Take one of those churches that maybe aren't so strong in their youth work, and maybe a bit less lacking on their finances. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's a, there's a great church that... Um, a couple of years ago started um you know they were a relatively small church and and they just said you know can you just come and help serve so we went in and and they didn't have a worship leader and so we we went initially just to help with their worship and which was fantastic and we've seen over time how the church has started to grow in numbers and so the pastor the pastor there is really passionate about again local community and it, and even when he he does his office work he just goes and sits in a local coffee shop because he said that's where people are at. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to... Or the, yeah, the pub. <laughs> or the pub, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was how he started his journey. And, and what's been beautiful about the relationship we, we've struck with this church is over the last few years, we've just been walking alongside them, encouraging them. They've been helping us in, in some of the youth ministry we, we've done. We've hosted a resound in the in the place they, you know, they do church, in their church building. And and now they've just recruited a full time uh, youth worker uh, with partnership with us mm. because they realised they couldn't afford a full time youth worker. But we said, okay, what we can do, we can use uh, Lydia in some days in the school, and then we will then she's going to work with you as well. So, so that's a church that probably two years ago never thought it being possible to have 
somebody um, full time. And let's talk a wee bit about the spirituality of young people. Some people uh, do have the impression that um, young people are not interested in God. Mm. Now, of course, it, it probably is more true to say that many young people aren't interested in what they understand the church to be for all sorts of reasons. And uh, But what have you found on the ground in terms of, uh, of what, what, what is it that, that where, where is the heart of young people? I mean, talking very general here mm. uh, and so on. And, and I mean, aren't they interested in church? Aren't they interested in God? I think, I think the facts are, I think they're very interested in God, but maybe not interested in church. Because <laughs> I think church in itself, can, for many young people, can be quite alien. But isn't it true that the church that we have built, mm. and I guess we as adults have got to stand up here, but, you know, I think it was Canon David Watson who said that if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the early church, where it was exciting, where there was mm. miracles, where there was community work in the synagogues, and it was cutting-edge stuff, if the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from that, that work would have ceased. Mm. But he went on to say, and I, I guess this next thing is a bit of an incrimination, he said, if... If the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from most of our churches today, those churches would their work would continue. Mm. It, it's quite telling, isn't it, that the, the the excitement, the power that was part of the early church, and which I, I personally believe is Jesus' vision for His church per mm. se, full stop, you know, and so on. Is it is it is it because the young people. I mean, I, I just talking to a friend of mine who went to visit some Satanists, and uh, he said they had an amazing, amazing library, and they said, well, we went to church. He said the reason why we went to church was there was no power there. Mm. Uh, but with worshipping Satan, we experience all sorts of power. Mm. Uh, that's not right, is it? No, for sure. And, I, and like you say, I think when we have the opportunity to go into schools and work with young people on the ground, I think they're all searching for something, and 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 I think as as Christians, we've got to give them the opportunity to to hear the gospel message. and And I remember recently going into school, and and we're talking about the story of David and Goliath, and actually these youngsters hadn't heard the story ever. Mm. And I think what we're in and now we're in a generation that is probably biblically illiterate mm. so they don't know the stories so i think it's really important for us um is to start telling these stories and and to be where young people are at and unfortunately that at this moment isn't they're not going to walk into church but where they are going to be they're going to be in our local community they're going to be in schools so i think we um as christians and i'm talking about the collective here we need to go where young people are at. that's what jesus did he didn't just stay in the synagogue he went to where people were and I think if we're going to see um, revival, because that's what we're looking for, if we're going to see community renewal, transformation of our country and our communities, then as Christians, we need to leave um, the church buildings, because actually the church isn't the building, it's the people within there. And we need to start going to where um, the lost are, the broken. And I think that's when we'll start seeing miracles. Of course, what we are experiencing right across the world now is almost a shaking of, a shaking mm. of everything. I, I guess that if COVID taught us anything, it was that a lot of stuff was stripped away. Mm. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, we can rebuild the old stuff again. Uh, but but actually, you know, it, it revealed, I mean, uh, what I was saying earlier on about young people and suicide and mental health. I mean, if the church is not right there, then where are we, you know? Mm. Uh, uh, 
and I guess that it's great to hear that that you know you're working in partnership uh, with so many people to address those issues. And of course, at the end of the day, it, it we're talking about life changing to individual young people, mm. not just I mean the gospel priority, but well, obviously, so much injustice. I mean, not to have a meal. Mm. You know, like the young man you're talking to. And that's not the only thing. Mm. I mean, no doubt many young people have told you their stories. Oh, yeah. It's tra- it's tragic. And I know recently Jake came back from, from the, you know, he does some schools, life pastors in uh, in, in All Saints down in, in Weymouth. And, and he came back broken because he just said that this girl just came to him and started to tell him a story. And it was one of self-harm, of depression. And... And and he just didn't know what to do with that information. And she, and anyway, he said to her, "Why don't you write a prayer to God?" And she wrote this beautiful prayer to God. And she and it was somebody that didn't know who God was. Um, so yeah, we get to see it all the time. But actually, but that's where we want to be. We want to be in those areas that we're feeding into that, into those into those dark areas, rather than it coming from somewhere else because unfortunately Satan is a masquerader of all things yes and but of course he's defeated isn't he yeah yeah. and uh, it annoys me actually you know I, the, the, I, I, because actually I was at a wonderful church on uh, on Sunday and for Remembrance Sunday and I was able to pray for these are mixed age people but but it suddenly dawned on me how Satan has been so good at messing people up mm. and I find myself saying God I want to be heart and soul uh, with you standing with you in, in saying this rubbish that Satan has dumped on people you know going back years and years and years uh, I mean, this dear lady I was sat, she was saying, I'm a rubbish person. I'm a, I'm a terrible sinner, you know. She lost her husband. But, but I said to her, look, uh, I want you to be able to dance home. Mm. And all you have to remember as you're dancing home is Jesus loves me. Mm. And, and that lie that you actually tell yourself as well as listening to the, the voice on your shoulder, mm. uh, just say clear off. It's not true, you know. Mm. And I guess that the mission is about that, isn't it? It's about shutting the voice of the evil one and actually saying, I mean, in the, in the way I guess that you probably rubbished yourself, you know, because of not being able to read and write, mm. until two spirit-filled men at Moreland's say, it's great that you're here, Aaron, you know, and, and you got your degree, you know. Mm. This is the gospel, you know. This is the true gospel, the victory of Jesus Christ. So, of course, I Speak Jesus there, uh, Charity Gale, a wonderful song there. Of course, that's what you're doing uh, uh, in, in Youth for Christ and in partnership with the churches that are, that are working with you. What is your real passion? If, if today, Aaron, you could have a conversation with the Lord uh, and, and he would grant you whatever, what would you be saying to him? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think... You know, our passion is to is to take the good news to every young person, and and if I said to if you said what could you know if I could grant you one opportunity it would be, could we be in every school in every community in Dorset? That's kind of what what, what I'd want to see, and the opportunity to 
to, to share the good news of Jesus and allow young people to make that decision for themselves. So even if they re- reject that, that's okay. But as long as we've given them the opportunity to hear. Um, but also for them to experience, you know, the fullness of Jesus as well. So like I say, it's not just about hearing it, but it's seeing it and seeing kind of us working in communities and feeding um, the hungry and working with the lost and yeah. and so on. So for us, if we could be in every community, in every school, that would just be... A massive win and i suppose that well there's no i suppose about it i mean there is an open door in those mm. i think you said 18 schools that you're at, at yeah the moment. Now, of course that open door may not be open always for sure and i think um i think maybe you know we get a switch of government and and they turn around and say we don't want any more christian in, uh, influence in schools or religion influence in schools those doors might be closed and so i think while the doors are open, I think we need um, p- to persevere. So it's very much work while you can, while we still have yeah. the, the light, haven't we? Mm. Uh, and, but I guess that the, the, in your work with schools, and of course it's, it is, as you say, a lot pastoral as well, mm. but I guess that when schools see the effectiveness of what you and your team are doing, that must be one of the, the greatest tools, if you like, in your hand there that's schools are talking to other schools mm. and saying this works yeah i mean we've never really promoted any of the work we've done and it has been through heads talking to other heads that have has, has gotten us into schools so i think we pride ourselves on them being you know not only a missional but also good at what we do and also willing to get involved in the whole fullness of what school um, incorporates really so so if we've got youngsters who need mentoring we'll get involved in that if youngs if we wanted to do lessons we'll get involved in that so so absolutely I mean for us you know and and that's where we still got the invite for many more schools that want us in Mm. and so if that you know and we're desperately trying to get into those schools at the moment well, we can pray for that. And, yeah. and, and obviously people listening to the programme, uh, how can people best support what you guys are doing? Yeah, so if you head over to our website, which is www.dorsetyfc.co.uk, um, A, you can sign up for a newsletter. Um, and obviously on that, if you wanted to donate for the work and we're doing, then that would be massively appreciated. Fantastic, and your and your 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 vision for the future, more schools. That's that's the the yeah. dominant thing, for sure. I mean, it's to keep growing because if we are going to be in you know in every community in every school, then you know we can't just remain a six. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to keep growing. Well, you, need, you need a lot more than six, won't you? Oh, for sure, for sure, and. and um, so I think that's it. And also, like, the resound events we're doing, that's, that's like, for us, is the evangelistic um, sort of things that we do in partnership with churches. And it's to do more. Then we keep we keep getting asked to do more. You know, we, you said about 200, I think, on average, I think, the last few resound, we've seen over 300 young people. I think when we had the Archbishop of Canterbury come and visit, we had 500 young people turn up. And it's a great opportunity for them to, yeah, just to worship together and, and young people to... to to see other Christians across the the region, and but out of that, some of the CUs have grown. So our CU in one of the local schools has grown to over ninety young people because of we feel like resound and them connecting together. 
Yeah, and the Archbishop must have been very encouraging because obviously with his role, it's quite political, isn't it? Mm. But I guess he must have been so refreshed to go along and to see, you know, the resigned event and the, and the passion that the young people uh, were expressing in the event, having a good time, but also hearing the gospel. Yeah, and he was great. And he was, you know, he was quite a humble guy and he and he had a real challenge in upbringing himself. As, you know, he shared about his parents being alcoholics and... And in his journey, his journey of faith was um, one of of challenge. But his advice to young people was, my advice is to you is to is it is to find your Jesus early. 